This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the Contact Center Coach. Last night, the Boston Celtics lost to the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Championship Finals, which means today the Golden State Warriors are champions and the Boston Celtics came in second. And if you're not a sports fan, that means absolutely nothing to you. Uh, but if you are a sports fan, it, it's certainly something that maybe you watched or, or maybe you had a, a passing interest in it. But the important thing is, is that starting today and maybe for the next week or a couple of weeks... There'll be a lot of articles and a lot of analysis that'll focus on the Boston Celtics and where they failed and where they didn't measure up and all the things that they need to do in order to be successful next year. And you'll, if you read enough articles, you begin to think that how could they possibly have ever made it to the championship game because they've got so many things that they suck at that they're not very good at and so many areas that they need to work on. And And there'll be a little bit of um, focus on the fact that the Golden State Warriors were just really an extraordinarily great team and had some amazing players but but the focus will be on the Celtics and what they were unable to accomplish and all the holes that they have on their basketball team again despite the fact that they were the second best in the world and I think they went six games out of seven games so they they pushed the their opponents to the limit but they'll still very much focus on what they were incapable of doing and you can look at that two ways. In one way, you could say, well, man, that's so unfair. They were one of the best teams in the league. They made it all the way to the finals. Nobody expected them to get there. And wow, that's really spectacular and really, um, really great. Or the other way you could look at it is, you know what? If they really do aspire to be a champion, if they really do want to become the very best in the world, then they are going to have to improve. They are going to have to change. They really do need to look at the things that they don't do very well and change them and either put more practice in with the players that they've got to help them to get better so they can overcome the obstacles that were set in front of them or bring in a couple of new players or new coaches or new strategy or new style or whatever it might be so that they can get to that very top spot because that's the business they're in is in the business of winning championships. And if you take a look at your contact center and and you look at it, um, we're not really in any sort of competition for championships, but The ability to assess where we are, to be able to see what exactly we need to change and work on is really, really important. And if that's not left to leaders, then who else is it left to? And since this is a podcast that's focused on leaders, I wanted to spend Podcast 70 and take a closer look and assess your center through your eyes and have you figure out if you have some areas that are a challenge for your center that you need to actually work on as a center and get better. And if your first thought is, well, you know what, I'm just a supervisor. 
you know what, I'm not really... I'm not really in charge of that kind of thing. I really can't make any of those decisions. That's those are made by somebody else, or maybe you're the leader, and you say, "Well, you know what? It doesn't really matter. I already know what they are, but nobody's going to give me any more budget or any changes that I can make." That's not the point. The point is, is that I want you to be able to assess and look at the areas that you can improve in your center, and then we're also going to talk about how you might be able to contribute to those particular spots. And that is part of being a leader. If you've, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, and there are 69, this is going to be 70 of them, you'll find that every single one of them ends with the exact same signature. And that is, is that you have the capacity to be a great leader. It simply requires hard work and focus and bringing a mentor along to kind of help you get better because leaders can be made. You can learn to be a great leader. And the people that work for you deserve a great leader. You've also heard me say over and over again that this industry is desperate for great leaders. We need more of them. And we need leadership that cares. And that's because in order to make the changes that we want to in the contact center industry, in order to, to get to the point where we have leaders that care, We need leaders that understand that people in the contact center need joy more than they need KPIs, a sense of purpose more than sophisticated monitoring, and a champion more than a supervisor. Are you a champion? Are are you a leader that cares? Are you a leader that that can assess your center and see areas where it needs to work on? And then are you physically capable and mentally capable of saying, you know what, I can take some of that ownership on myself and make myself better, which hopefully will make my center better. If you are, then you should keep listening because you are going to get to assess three areas that are key challenges in your center. Then focus on what you might be able to do about that or work on those. So with that, let's get started. And let me start right from the beginning in the sense that you may also be working in a contact center that just everything about it is miserable. It feels a little bit more like a prison than a work environment. And, uh, and one, I'm sorry that you're in that, but, but it is a reality in this industry. And that is, is that there are a number of centers that, that aren't really designed to excel. They're not really designed to get better. They're, they're kind of designed to survive rather than thrive. And if you're in one of those, you're shaking your head, you go, Michael, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm in one of those today, or I used to work in one of those. And there's a myriad of reasons as to why that is the case. It might be potentially that your your organization just doesn't value customer service. It's it's not one of the things they're trying to compete on. I've, uh, I've heard um, some contact centers describe themselves as the toilet brush of the company, which is they're the place where all the, all the crap kind of goes to. And there are other organizations where perhaps you might be working for a BPO or a service bureau where either because of the contract that you're in or the business services that you're providing, no one wants to invest any money in making it the kind of a center that thrives or making it the kind of center where, where the people that work there feel empowered and engaged to deliver high-quality services. It's just not what the design is. It's not set out to succeed. It doesn't mean that you can't make improvement. It doesn't mean that you can't be successful. It doesn't mean that you can't make a difference. It's just an evaluation of where you are. So some of the other things I'm saying, you may go, well, 
that, that seems even really pie in the sky for me based on where we are. But but stay with me because I, I think you will find that there are some areas and some conditions where you can actually make a difference. Okay, here we go. We said three challenges. First up is poor leadership training. That's right. Poor leadership training. We have a great focus on the front line and, and do a lot of things for the front line, but have minimal or poor training for the people that are actually in leadership that enter into leadership. And immediately, you know, the answer to this is to whether you're one of those or not. And so if you are one of those, and, and then I want to give you some congratulations because if you're listening here, you have a desire to learn, you're looking for things to learn, you're trying to get better, you're paying attention, you're making the effort. And if you are, I, I congratulate you. But organizations that don't invest in training and trying to make their leaders better, they, they put themselves at a pretty massive disadvantage. And, and that's because because leaders don't, don't hurt the organization, but if they're poorly trained, you put them in a position where they can't really help. And they, they can't give you a competitive advantage. And, and a competitive advantage in a contact center is ones that where they've trained the leaders really, really well. And they've invested in the leaders and continue to invest in the leaders. Recently, I was assessing some contact center leadership training, and it looked like it came out of the 19. 19- 50s. And it was just, it was awful. I mean, it was, it was painful to listen to. It was painful to, to walk through. And they've had it for years and years. They've just never updated it. And it's because the organization doesn't have a priority in trying to, trying to train and invest in leadership. And what they miss when they do that is they miss the competitive advantage that can come from having well-trained leaders. And I define a leader as anybody that's in a supervisory capacity anywhere in the contact center. And even if you're one of those prison-type contact centers, if I've got, if I've got well-trained leaders, then I create a competitive advantage because, because well-trained leaders can keep people around. People will stay with a leader that can engage, that can connect, that can exhort, that can acknowledge uh, any of those kind of skills that can listen, any you know that has empathy, any of the skills that you can be as a leader, it, it creates an environment that can help you to overcome lower wages or poor working conditions because people will stick around specifically because of their leader. And you read this over and over again in every in every review of why do people leave. The number one reason they leave is because they don't like their leader. Because they're not connected to the leader. Yes, wages are poor or they, they found a job that had more money or maybe it was closer to their home. But the number one reason is always that they don't, um, they, they, they don't like their leader. And usually that's because their leader hasn't been given the skills and tools necessary to be successful. The second thing is, is that if they don't invest, in, don't invest in their people and don't invest in their leaders, then they lose the competitive advantage of, of helping them to increase the performance of the individual. So not only can a, a well-trained leader and a well-motivated, well-encouraged, well-engaged leader help with getting people to stick around, they also can help the people that, to get better. If maybe you've got the, the, the systems and the other pieces that don't, don't help you achieve those things, um, they can help an average employee get better. They can help a poor employee get much better, which of course increases the average and, and everybody wins. Is everybody winning in your center? Okay, leader, time to make an assessment. 
Where does your center stand on leadership training? The second challenge area to be assessed is that your contact center can't overcome a bad start. And a bad start is the entire new hire all the way through. We know intuitively that in a contact center, if, if you have a bad start to a day, you can't catch up. It's impossible to catch up. Once you start bad, you can't catch up, which is why we want to make sure that we have a great start to the day. We want to make sure that we're, we're focused, we're attentive, we've got the right people in place, they know what they're doing, we, we, we jump on it early, we try to get everybody off to a great start because we know if we have a great start, we'll have a great day. If we have a bad start, we're going to have a bad day. So it's the same way with, with bringing people on board. So getting off to a great start in new hire onboarding has to, of course, start with who you hire. I'm going to leave that for another podcast on another day, but you've heard the expression garbage in, garbage out. If you don't hire the right people, you're off to a bad start. But new hire onboarding includes bringing people on board, teaching them the skills and tools necessary to be successful. It's the classroom component. It's where we teach them how to do the the day-to-day operations, give them the call skills and tools, integrate them into your culture, and prepare them ultimately for future success. The classroom, and I put the classroom in quotes, is changing because it's not just live anymore. There's a requirement for remote training. There's a requirement for self-directed training, which creates colossal technology challenges, makes it much harder to connect with the employees or even to simply assess their success and their ongoing improvement. How are you doing with this first stage of the classroom. How are you doing merging the remote and integrating that into your organization? It's a massive challenge and the first step when it comes to training. Next up is nesting. Are you great at nesting? If you're not, you have to be. You must be great at nesting. We move from the classroom to the real world. We move to all the pressure, all the monotony, customers, systems, what they know, what they don't know. And of course, you're trying to surround them and it shows your initial support on how much you're going to be able to help them. Their success in nesting impacts every part of their experience with you. Get this right, they stick around for a long time. Get this wrong whether they leave tomorrow or three months from now, they're gonna leave. If your first thought is, is hey, we do this nesting pretty well, you're like most contact centers, they're confident, maybe a little overconfident. And that's because it's the one area that we invest, coach, and train. We're trying to do it right. There's no corners being cut. There's no pressure on budgets. We just do this section right. But the real assessment is, do you have the repetition capacity? Do you have the technology and processes in place to to repeat over and over again the coaching and the feedback and the training and the encouragement that you need to give in this section? Because there's wild swings of performance here. You've got roses, daisies, and weeds. Some need 20 times repetition. Some need more call skills. Some just need one time. Some need to manage stress. Some need to manage endurance. There's so many different things going on here that your technology and process is the competitive advantage. 
And it's, it's also the entry to first steps. And sometimes we look at nesting as nurture and first steps as nature. But in nesting as well as first steps, we still need to connect, we need to encourage, we need to build, and we need to learn. Listen, if you're one of these organizations that the, your new hires get on the floor and your AHT goes wild and you watch it and you expect it and then you turn around and wait for it to go down, if you want to fix AHT, this is where you fix it. You fix it in the nesting component and you can change it here and have a wow, kapow difference because you've got the processes and the technology in place to allow you to adapt and change to every individual, whether it's a rose, a daisy, or a weed. A competitive advantage in nesting explodes in first steps because people in first steps, I've already got the processes in place to connect them to their other, to their peers, connect them to their customers, connect them to the company, encourage them, but yet keep building and learning so it becomes a culture and a process where they continue to try to be successful and pursue success in the nesting and in the first steps. And when we do this, we get extraordinary success and extraordinary change. And then finally, of course, you have your day-to-day operations. And when you're looking at training, some organizations just kind of stop here. They go from a lot of training in the classroom, a good amount of training in nesting. We maybe do a smidge in first steps, and then it stops cold turkey. There is no more training. I've even seen an organization where training has nothing to do with the people once they get on the floor. Training takes care of new hire orientation and then lets them go completely. How much investment are you making in ongoing training with your employees, giving them an opportunity to have electives, to hone their skills, above and beyond the change management that needs to occur? Your success in this area of being able to continue to train them even after they've gotten out of nesting and in their first steps will go a long way towards investing in them and their success. Overcoming a bad start from new hires is, is usually an area that many organizations struggle with. But maybe and maybe it's just one of the components that they're really good at. Look and assess new hires, nesting, first steps, and then of course the day-to-day things that go on. And the final area may be that you just have bad culture or a culture that's not helping you. And that culture may be that, you know what, maybe maybe you had great culture, but the COVID changes that have occurred have just completely turned everything upside down. You used to have a lot of people in the building and some people outside, and now you've got some people in the building and a lot of people outside, and you're just not an organization that has been able to make the transition with the culture. Maybe you're an organization that has a culture that finds somebody doing something wrong. You talk about the fact that you do things right, but you really got a culture that's really kind of designed to find somebody doing something wrong. Maybe your culture has, has overworked no-time leaders. Maybe you're one of them. It's You know what you need to do. You've got a lot of things to do, but your culture doesn't really allow you to do it because you're just not any time. Maybe you've got a culture that's, that's really focused at winners only. And because you're focused on winners only, you lose the other the other component of, of, of working with all the other people that aren't the big time winners. But you can have a competitive advantage with culture. If you have a competitive advantage in culture right now, you understand that, it, that, it, that if you have it, if you have it, it, it works so tremendously because it keeps people around. It gets people to work harder. It's an organization where people care for each other. And if you have a great culture, you can probably make it better. If you've got a great culture, you've already got an advantage because you've got the components necessary to be a little bit better than you are. 
And if you got a and if you got a great culture, you'll know it because you, you it's unmoving. There are things that you're just unwilling to compromise on with relation to your culture that you just it's just who you are. You can't separate your culture from your organization and it's something that you can see people embrace. You can see people feel safe inside your culture. Safe to to try new things, safe to take a risk, safe to make a change, safe to be bold and to and to take the extra step for your customers. And it's of course a culture that you can build on. It's something that you can you can start with. It's 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 legacy defining in the sense that the people that come can make a difference. And you talk about people that have made a difference in your organization. Is that your culture, or do you have a culture that falls far short in many of these areas? Maybe you're pretty good at some, and you're not good at others. But if you're a leader, you have to have the comp- the capacity to assess and look at the areas that you can you can improve and get better in. If you want to be a leader that makes a difference, if you want to be a leader that stands out, I'm calling you out right now to be the kind of leader that can step back, assess your organization, see the areas that you need to work on and go make a change, go make a difference in those areas. If you need some help, call me. I'd be happy to help. There are organizations out there that hold on to their very, very best people that use technology and process to get off to a great start. I'd be happy to show you your peers that are making these kind of changes and getting superior results. If you need more hard work, if you need to just pay more attention to it, if you need to put more effort in, can't help you there. You're going to have to go do that yourself. But this industry is crying out for better leaders, for leaders that can take a real look at their center, assess it, make a plan, and make a difference. If you're just an entry-level supervisor and you've just gotten started but you can see these things, ask your leader, ask your boss to sit down and talk about them. Come up, bring in, come bring some new ideas and some new concepts, maybe some stuff you've learned from these podcasts, and go in and address them. Take a shot. See how your organization embraces change. See if your organization embraces someone who has a desire to be successful. I I bet you'll find that they really are. Organizations all over the world are looking for people that are willing to make a little bit more of an effort, that care, and are willing to step up and help make a difference. Challenge. Go ahead and do it. You can. You have the capacity to be a great leader. Are you putting the time in? Are, 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 Are you making making the, 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 the challenges and the hard work decisions and actions that are necessary to be a great leader. And if you are a great leader, let me know. Reach out. Tell me that you're a great leader. I'd love to meet more. It's been great to talk to you this week. Hopefully this is something that connected with you. And if there's a subject or an area that you'd love for me to talk about or you'd love for me to spend some time on, uh, send me a note, mtamer at proponacy.com or just reach out to me on LinkedIn, and I would love to um, talk about those. Look forward to talking to you next week. Bye-bye now. You are being forwarded to the Contact Center Coach.